Roses are red, violets are purple, not blue. Looking for a home? You know what to do. If your heart is set on the home of your dreams, let's find your love nest. Call the Sharp Mortgage Team. No need for Cupid, arrows, or bows. Just a cozy house where such happiness grows. Whether it's a cottage, a condo, or a mansion grand, our team is here to lend a helping hand. Imagine a kitchen where you cook up delights, or a backyard oasis under the stars at night. With rates getting as sweet as candy hearts, homeownership is where the real romance starts. Forget the cards, the flowers, and the candies. A home of your own would be just dandy. So this Valentine's Day, let's start a plan. To talk about your loan, we'll give you a hand. No more renting, let's make a fresh start and turn a house into a piece of your heart. Happy Valentine's Day wishes made for two from the Sharp Mortgage Team. We're here for you. History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Good day, everyone. I'm Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum, and I'd like to welcome you to today's edition of History Notes program that we use as a resource for lifelong learners, whether that's someone that's attending one of our K-12 schools or institution of higher learning or Sunday school, whatever. You know, if you're just interested in learning like myself, this is the program for you. And it's something the Greensboro History Museum has enjoyed putting on for approaching three years now here at Press Play Studios. And as I always like to say, check them out for any uh, podcast or audiovisual needs you may have. Wonderful setup here. It makes it very conducive for conversing and bringing in wonderful, engaging guests like we're doing today. Someone that used to do what I did, teach. <laughs> Beverly Gibson, yeah. uh, retired teacher from Guilford County Schools, but before the merger. Right. So, uh, so they merged in 1993, but it used to be it was High Point City Schools and Greensboro City Schools and then Guilford County Schools. In 1993, of course, they merged and all three are known today as the Guilford County uh, school system. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But you were there for how many years? I was with a uh, total 28 years. 28 years. And what did you teach? Mostly sixth grade. I am certified history teacher and uh, academically gifted teacher. And I got pulled into the science through the regional resource program. All right. I'm glad you mentioned the word science because that's what we're here to talk mm-hmm. about today. You know, today we have STEM. But there was no such thing, I'm, I'm assuming, back when you started teaching. Actually, it was before I started teaching. Oh, we did have something back in the 1950s, whenever I was in elementary school, when the Russians first launched Sputnik. The United States said, okay. And they really started pushing with us in elementary school science and technology and math. So STEM is not really new, it's just been rebranded. Okay. And a number of us you know, felt freer to explore. And and more of us were encouraged to do advanced placement programs and things like that, not just in literature, but in science and mathematics. For those of us that may not be aware, can you give me a 60-second explanation? What is Sputnik? 
Sputnik was the Russian satellite that was launched, I believe, in 57 or something like that. And that was kind of the beginning punch for the space race. Between the United States and, and then the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union. Right. And so, as a history teacher, did that pique your... As a student, it piqued okay. my interest in. Okay. Uh, we would go out... See, I was like six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And we would go out at night and try to find Sputnik going through the sky. And you could see a little blink. I mean, it wasn't that high up in the atmosphere, but it was or- high up enough to orbit. Okay. It's only about the size of a basketball. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and then in your family, there's been an interest in aerospace. Right. How so? My cousin, Freddie Lee Cunningham, was with NASA for 32 years. And he was recruited by Werner von Braun, who was the head of the American Space Program, or NASA, out of Marshall Space Flight Center in Alabama. And Freddie Lee worked on everything from the Mercury up up to the Hubble Space Telescope. He was with Quality Assurance. So the moon buggy, lunar lander, a lot of things in between, space shuttle, all of those things were things that he was looking at as far as quality control. Whenever he was doing that, he could not talk about anything he did. Mm. And it was the space race. We were competing against Russia for dominance in space. And a lot of people do not realize that at the end of World War II, whenever the Russians went into Germany, the Germans, of course, had an advanced rocketry program that they had used as the Blitzkrieg and during uh, World War II. During World War II. So uh, half of the German scientists called the Punamunde group went to Russia, and about the other half came here to the United States. That's where Werner von Braun came in. And people who are interested in knowing anything about this should uh, research Project Paperclip, which gives a lot more information. Now, back during the time that we were doing the space race, uh, a lot of people do not realize that our rockets are also missiles. Mm. And uh, depending upon their use, is whether they are a rocket or a missile. If it is a rocket, it has a, usually a scientific payload or a satellite or something like that. If it were a missile, it would have a weapon. But they all have the same type of internal combustion, which is liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen. Whenever they come together, they make an explosion. And whenever you see our rockets take off, you don't see black smoke, you see white steam. And that's the chemical reaction between the uh, oxygen and hydrogen coming together. And Robert Goddard, an American scientist, is the one who came up with this in the 1930s. And Werner von Braun, as a student, actually came over here to the United States, adopted that program, and that is what they used to build the V-2 rockets in in, uh, Germany during World War II. Mm. 
So so this is these are things that you brought to your classroom. Right. And there was a program. We'll take a break later on, but I do want to talk about mm. the program that you can't say can I say spear, spearheaded here? Well, yeah. Us. yeah. Yeah. But it was quite a labor intensive program that you had for you to get involved in. And, right. And uh, the care, but it was entitled the Regional Resource Program. Right. T- talk to us. Tell us a little bit about the Regional Resource Program. What exactly was it? And from my understanding, it wasn't government funded. No, it was not government funded and Merle Lindbergh funded. I can't remember Coca-Cola or Pepsi and some of the other funding agencies that fund projects out of the Smithsonian were funding the project. And the year that I was accepted into it, there were 19, 19 well, they weren't teachers. Okay. They were educators. Okay. You had everything from people who wrote children's books to college professors to somebody like me who was an elementary school teacher. Mm. But we found out whenever he got there, we had gone through a big vetting process. All right. And I just, I'm not going to keep jumping in, but uh, what year was this? You're paying attention uh, for me. It was, I believe it was 82. 82. And I had gotten the information about this workshop at a state science teacher's workshop here in Greensboro. Dr. Jerry Madrazo was president of the North Carolina Science Teachers Association, and they had this meeting here at Greensboro College, and one of the meetings I attended was on aerospace. Of course, I was interested. My family was working with it. Mm-hmm. And so, absolutely, there's a connection there. The connection was there, and '82 was a great year. You know why? We won the national championship. <laughs> State won it the following year, 1983. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. And so, they the first year I applied, I got a response back, and it was just a little postcard. It was a, "Are you interested? Check it off." And I got a response back, and it asked me to reapply. That the program was filled. And I reapplied the next year and was accepted. Uh, Whenever I got there, I found out that something had transpired that had been there my whole life, and I had kind of not looked at it. When my cousin Freddie Lee went to work for NASA, I was still in middle high school, junior high. When I, in 1966, when I was 17 years old, at a family gathering in Alabama at Christmas. My cousin Freddie and his wife Shirley took me aside. I was getting ready to go to college at App- Appalachian State in 1967. And Freddie literally got down on his knee in front of me and Shirley put her arm around me. And Freddie teared up and he said, Beverly, I am sorry. But my job is going to affect you for the rest of your life. Now, flash forward to 82. Now, I was given a list of things I could and could not do because Freddie was working on top secret things for the government. Mm -hmm. And if somehow I could be compromised, they might could get to Freddie. And this, this was not unique. I know several other people, even living here in Greensboro, that parents, parents work for Western or General Electric, they had the same types of situations. Okay. And so 
I turned 18 and then went on to college. I didn't think that much about it. I did have this one thing. One of them was really, and people will laugh today, I had to stay away from hippies. There was one guy on the campus at Appalachian State, and we pretty much pegged him as the resident hippie. I would almost run whenever I would see that guy. And whenever I talked to Freddie Lee's wife about three years ago, I laughed and I said, you know, I have decided that that poor hippie guy was probably the FBI agent that was watching up there. (laughs) And she laughed and she said, yeah, you're probably right. He probably was. But I couldn't join sororities. They didn't want me to go into church, watch who I was connected with and things like that. I got married, had a child, started teaching in Guilford County schools. Didn't really think about it. Just know that I was supposed to stay out of trouble and keep a low profile. When I got the response back from the Smithsonian, I was surprised when I got there that they said that there had been 2,000 applicants, and they only awarded 20 spaces, and it ended up only 19 came and then one dropped out. The first day I was there, we had a reception, and I was there, and this man came across the room, stuck out his hand, and said, hello, Beverly, I've been wanting to meet you. I'm the uh, director of education for NASA. I went, okay, considering I did not have my name badge. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told me that they were very impressed with the work that Freddie Freddie Lee had been doing with the space program. And he had been anxious to meet me. I found out by listening up there, I was not unique. I would say 90% of us that were there had some sort of connection with um, the space program or something that was going on within the government. Okay. There was actually one the guy there who was a teacher at the government schools in Germany. So it was very intentional. It was very intentional about who that was brought in. And uh, that was even emphasized more whenever I came back. Okay. Well, listen, let's take a break here. And when I come back, I want to talk about the what the Regional Resource Program did, mm-hmm. and in particular the Moon Rock. Okay. And what it was like having to implement that here at Guilford County Schools. Okay. All right. Can we do that? Sure can. All Thank right. you. All right. We're sitting with Beverly Gibson, former teacher, and uh, she's telling us about all the intricate details mm-hmm. that she can share with us about the Regional Resource Program. And we're going to talk to him about how it was brought into our school system. And, you know, I believe. When I was in school, we may have participated in it. I'm trying to check my memory now, but mm-hmm. uh, she's our guest here on History Notes, and we'll return shortly. This time of year, people like to make plans for what they want to accomplish. Maybe your focus in 2024 is buying, selling, or investing in real estate. Maybe it's purchasing your first home or building wealth for your family. Whatever your goals are, the agents at The Ginther Group can help. It's never too early to begin working with Blake Ginther and his team, who have been a trusted resource to the Triad community since 2010. To reach Blake and his team at The Ginther Group, just visit theginthergroup.com or give them a call, 336-283-8689. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensborohistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes.
You're back. We're listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Please check us out on our website, uh, www.greensborohistory.org. Our hours of operation are Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. On Sundays, you can even check us out, although on a limited time basis, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And we have a History Notes where you can, you know, of course, check us out anywhere you get your regular podcast. And today's guest is Beverly Gibson, a 28 years a teacher that we benefited from here at the Guilford County Schools. And she also took part in the Regional Resource Program, which was not, not government-funded. We pointed that out, but uh, it was a Smithsonian, a NASA, an FAA, a NOAA, and the Civil Air Patrol, kind of a combination effort, yeah. and also had some corporate dollars in there. We mm-hmm. believe it was either, could have been Pepsi or Coca-Cola, but, but a, basically a private-funded program. Yeah, that, it was definitely. And, and what was the, the purpose of the regional resource program and they had these 19 educators we had 20 but one dropped out but what was the primary purpose what was your job okay event their purpose was i had found out later that there were close to 100 of us all together that people were brought in at different stages the purpose was here in north carolina bill nixon brought me into his office a couple of mornings when i was first got there along with chuck story from east tennessee state university And he said that there was a problem here in North Carolina that there wasn't a K-12 aerospace education program, which they didn't, which they were looking to enhance. And because North Carolina, I mean, we go around with first in flight on our license plate. And, you know, there was nothing really there to back it up. Mm -hmm. And they weren't talking about just the history they were talking about the mechanics of flight. I mean, if you talk about flight, you're going to be talking about Newton's laws. You know, you're, a lot of science and things like that were coming back in the 80s. We were first putting up the satellites, the technology. You wouldn't have the many computers you have now if it had not been for the space program. All of this had to be miniaturized to get it up into space. So the computers that you're working on, the telephones, cell phones that we have today, all of that basic stuff started with the science and technology. So there's the relation to, to today. And you got to remember the time it was prioritized, yeah. the space race uh, with the Soviet Union. Right. Before the breakup. Now, you know, now it's just Russia and, and the Baltic states, several of but But back then it was the Soviet Union. So yeah. there's a space race, a, a national push. Mm-hmm. And here we are with license plates that say it's first in flight. So it's only natural that we stimulate more students yeah. uh, to get involved in, in this industry. Right. Is that correct? That's correct. And a lot of people don't realize that Moorhead Planetarium in Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. uh, the seven Mercury astronauts trained nav- on navigation down there at Moorhead Planetarium. So we do have a foot in there. Okay. And back here, I was given access to all of this free training to all these people one example that I think which was really, really good was Hazel Carroll, who was over the media for the old Guilford County School System. Mm-hmm. I gave her a catalog of videos that you could get from NASA. She took the state curriculum, sat down, make out, made out a list of the videos. She packed, I don't know how many, it was close to 50 or more. Uh, blank cassettes. My son and I drove up to Langley, dropped them off, and within just a few weeks, we had a full library in Guilford County 
of aerospace videos showing, you know, physics and then people mm. inspect, you know, you name it, we had it. Okay. So that, she and uh, some others worked really, really well with that. Dr. Jerry Madrazo, whenever he came on board as the director of Guilford County Schools Science, he latched onto the moon rocks. Okay. And we used it as a hook. Now, this is the thing. Any teacher, Rodney, you as a teacher, you could be certified, unless they've changed it, to get the moon rocks. I mean, it's a very short, cert, or it was a very short certification process. Was this a matter of filling out a form? or No, you went through a little, like driver's ed training thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in uh, you could do it the NASA van. And at that time, we had NASA, the NASA van coming around. Coming around here. Coming around here. And I could actually get it every two years. Okay. And, and they, I would schedule it for Guilford County Schools. So you would schedule it for the school system, but the van would come from what, Alabama? Or, uh, the van Texas? came from our service area is Langley. Langley, okay. Yep, Langley, yeah. All right, that, gotcha. And so anything I needed, first I would call Langley, and if they didn't have it, I could call any of the other research areas because they knew who we were mm-hmm. and would have the information shortly. And if I was, you know, if a teacher told me they needed certain things, I was on the phone and usually I'd have it within a week. Okay. For the program. The, so if the they program. had an idea like, I want to teach this using X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. they would typically go through you. They would, you know, they could contact me or I, you know, I gave them the contact information. information. Most of them said, well, you just go ahead and, you know, because I think a lot of them were intimidated by NASA and the government. And mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew they were just regular people and I had a relative working in it and they were really wanting to spread the education and right. spread the word. And now is that where you've been out of, when did you uh, retire? Uh, 99 was... But before you left, was there still the same push? No. Okay. No. So it dwindled, it kind of died down? It, yes. Did that coincide with the, we don't have the same push for space travel or, Mm -hmm. we got individuals going up in there, but as far as a competitive between one nation and another, it's not the same. So did that Mm -hmm. help? I think a lot of people didn't realize that there are space programs out there in other countries. Mm -hmm. You know, many other countries have and do launch satellites and, you know, things like that. And people don't realize that that's going on. You know, they just think, oh, well, we're not doing it anymore, so nobody else is doing it anymore. But after we landed on the moon, honestly, in 1969, the interest just started going down. The shuttle brought it back. Right. But... It never had the push as it did before when we landed on the moon. Speaking of the shuttle, this is not on this paper. Okay, (laughs) that's okay. And I'm, oh, Lord, I I can't remember. Oh, the space shuttle disaster. 1986. 86, okay. So I'd have been a freshman. I'm telling my age, too. (laughs) I'd have been a freshman at Southwest Guilford High Mm -hmm. School. And I do remember... Bringing in televisions, you know, we didn't have the flat screens or the mm-hmm. whiteboards, the smart boards mounted on the walls, mm-hmm. but you had to roll your television in if you didn't have one in there already. But I remember them bringing those in for every class to be able to watch mm-hmm. uh, this launch. 
because it was that big of a deal. The only other time we did it in the Guilford, and I was a product of Guilford County Schools before the merger. I was mm-hmm. a county school. Mm-hmm. was during the ACC tournament. We brought TVs in. So this was a, a big deal. And it was a big deal because Krista McCullough, the teacher, was on it. Right, right. And she was out of what state? Oh, goodness. Um, is it Maryland? I am okay. not sure. All right. I, it's, yeah. And I was actually privileged to go to the last teacher in space meeting in New Orleans that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it was 89. And were you familiar with McNair, Dr. M- R- Ron McNair, who attended North Carolina A&T? Um, he was I knew a about he him. Was on, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was on it. I believe Dr. Bluford was on it. The one that I saw because it, I did actually see the Challenger launched, the and it was the mission before the one when it exploded. Okay, and for those that don't know, in 1986, the world is watching. At least mm-hmm. the nation's attention is on it. The because the teacher's on there. Right. she's a civilian. It's a big deal. And then the Challenger goes up Challenger and explodes, and you know it's witnessed. So how how did you feel? I've talked to some of my students, mm-hmm. or some of my students have talked to me about it. And they said, well, they knew because I had had the moon rocks in the classroom and mm-hmm. they knew it was my deal. But, and this is what I'm proud of, that they said I didn't push it on them, but they wanted, that they knew that I wanted them to find what their passion was. Mm. So one of my parents and good friends called the school to tell them that the Challenger had exploded. And Whenever I came back to the classroom, I was crying. I will admit that. I mean, I have no problem admitting right. it. And the kids watched it over and over and over again. And they, I remember them kept saying, well, what happened? What happened? And a couple of them have said to me later, you might have been on that. And I said, yes, I could have because I did apply for the program. I wasn't accepted. Mm-hmm. But I did apply for the program. And I had seen the launch before. They knew I had been to a, a launch. Mm-hmm. And you could go to launches, but and I'm going to get to that. But as a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, with that being your passion in your wheelhouse, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you prepare the students for what they just saw? Not prepare. How do you comfort the students for what they just saw, answering questions? And, and can you even make that a learning moment? That, yeah, because, I mean, because those I have talked to that were there that day, and even those who weren't in my classroom that I have talked to felt because I was there, because they had that connection with NASA and with the space program. I think what they were telling me is they felt a kinship to it more, you know, because, you know, they had been involved. Mm. They had seen the moon rocks. They knew what space was like. And... They knew that it was the future. Right. You know, back then, Star Trek had just gone off. His first, you know, was no longer. But a lot of them still watched, like, the science fiction stuff. The Battlestar Galactica. And all, Battlestar, yeah. yeah, all yeah that it was a big deal. And the $6 million man. Yeah. He was an astronaut. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was very much in our culture. And um, a lot of them, like I said, have been in a very... Even today, whenever I meet them, that's one of the first things that they will ask about. The other thing they'll ask about is, do you have the moon rocks? No, (laughs) they Mm -hmm. were back safe at Langley. But that was one program 
that could, as Dr. Madrasso said, that was the hook. Whenever we could show them that disc with those moon rocks in it, Guilford County had that access, then the kids say, well, if it's here, then I can do it. Right. And I can study the sites and I can do that. So t- tell us about, and I'm going to ask you about what it's like to attend a, a rocket launch later, but right now, since we're, we're on the moon rocks, explain that program. Okay. Any teacher, pretty much, like I said, could be certified to do it. You had to go through a short training program, and the NASA van, whenever I brought it here, would train any teacher to do it. Now, who paid for that? Was that through those funds from the regional resource program? No, that was something from the educational outreach that NASA had. Okay. So you'd schedule it, but there's no money had to change hands from the the, the school system. It was was a free free service from the government. It's like everything, those videotapes Mm -hmm. that I said Hazel got, all of that was free. Everything that I would put you to would be a free resource. Okay. Maybe. And so, yeah, and so there it was. And I had the training. I could tell you where to go mm-hmm. and find all that information. But once you were certified for the lunar samples, whenever you decided to get them, you got an agreement that was like about nine pages long. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like signing away your life. Some things never change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, this one you're going. But I also had to have backups. If anything happened to me, I had to have some people who agreed to get those moon rocks back to Langley. Okay. Or like Dr. Madrazo, I had his name on there. So if if he wanted to take them somewhere during the two-week span that I would have them, I could only get them two weeks at a time, he could come by and get them. Now, when we first got them, we stored them at the Greensboro Police Department and Evidence Safe. A detective sitting was one of my parents. And uh, he did that. Eventually, we were able to get safes to put them in whenever I had them through grants. Okay. But if I took them, if we took them out to the mall, to the big science fair for the county, we had to have, I hate to put it like this, armed guards. Mm. Because I asked one time in one of the workshops, I said, well, how much are these worth? And they said, well, they're not really valued. Because they're a national treasure, and they are listed as a national treasure. And then the guy looked around, and he said, but honestly, right now with this economy, and this was in the 80s, he said they're worth about $4 million. Mm. So, and that they were figuring in how much it took to go get them and bring them back. And so once they're in the classroom, tangibly, how, how do the students benefit? What do they see? Okay. They saw this disc, it was about the size of a dinner plate, and it had eight different samples in it of different types of soil from the moon. And you, the way the disc was done, you could actually look at it through a microscope. Hmm. And I didn't have time to do that, but we, when I first came back, Jerry and I talked about it, and my principal agreed, and I got pretty much two weeks, and I traveled. <laughs> to about four schools a day and just let the kids see that I had a video I had to show because I had a canned thing. Right. Though, and uh, then they could walk through and and take a look at the disc. Were the kids excited? Yeah. The students? 
and I, I'm going to tell you one thing that got to me. I was at one of the schools in Guilford County, and it was an elementary school. And this lady came up to me and she said, can this child hold the moon disc, which they were not supposed to do. It was not supposed to leave my, mm. you know. You didn't break the rules, did you? Yes, I did. Oh. <laughs> I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. I'm a mother and I'm a teacher. And I looked and I said, well, I'm not. So, and she said, he's blind. Okay. And so I handed it to him. And I thought, God, <laughs> don't, don't get me on this one, guys. And I handed it to him and he held it up to his face. And he held it for several minutes, which was fine. And then he handed it back to me and he said, thanks, lady. That's the first time I've ever seen the moon. Mm. So to me, you know, at one time we had counted at that period when I was working with Jerry over 7,000 students who had actually seen that disc. Wow. But that, to me, that little thing kind of set it off. Mm-hmm. Well, now, it was, it was, and you may not have the data on this, mm-hmm. but in regards to students that go into those fields now, are we lacking in regards to women that go into those fields now? Are we lacking, and can that be traced back to not pushing programs like what the Regional Resource Program did? I I think that there was a big lapse, you know, the early 90s to the present as far as teaching a science and all. I think too much emphasis, and I can say this as a retiree now, that uh, too much emphasis was put on testing yeah. and the math. And How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they can't throw any, you know, snowballs at me now. But, oh, I don't think that the kids are getting a good, rounded education. I don't think that they're, you know, seeing all the possibilities that are there. I do know that there are more women and there are, you know, other populations that are coming into Mm -hmm. it. But I don't think they have the full background that they need to make some choices and see all the opportunities that are out there. It's time to get serious about your financial future. It's never too early, but it could be too late to get started. And that's oftentimes the hardest part, getting started. How much do I save? Where do I invest? Do I save for college or retirement? How much for each? And who do I talk to about it all? Okay, we'll keep things simple for now and help you answer the last one. We recommend you begin with a local financial advisor. And that's Jennifer Johnson of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. She'll sit down with you for a complimentary introductory consultation and go over all of your questions. Get started on the path to achieving your financial goals. Visit 3magnoliasfinancialadvisors.com or call 336-701-1600. Get comfortable with your financial future. 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors. Retirement, financial planning, and investments. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors. 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satara Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. And, you know, like we're saying, the space launch was a big deal. You know, now we have, you know, William Shafter just went into space. <laughs> Michael Strahan. Yeah. And, and, you know, you hear about the celebrities, but that's the hook yeah. to let you know that these folks are traveling beyond the realms of the planet here. Mm-hmm. But, in the 1980s, when there was 
space travel, like I said, it, it garnered a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to have a celebrity name associated with it. And even the, the Tinder rocket launch yeah. was something that garnered excitement, but not everyone could attend and kind of feel. But you have attended, what, at least one? I attended one. I was invited to three. Okay. But the weather got in the way of two others. So what's yeah. that like? You can't just say this signage rocket launch, I'm going to show up. <laughs> no, I was, it was an invitation to educators. I was in the NASA viewing area. We were okay. in the NASA viewing area. I had to go through three days worth of uh, lectures, classwork, you know, on the scientific payload, all that sort of stuff down down there in Florida. Even those two that didn't make it, we went through. I mean, so it wasn't just, oh, we're going to Florida. We're going to no, they shoved everything they could as far as that launch was in, the information they were giving us. And like I said, we were in, there's several different viewing areas I found out. There's the NASA area. There's a the public viewing area. Mm. And then you could go and you could stand out on the beach. Mm. You know, and you could see that thing. We were four and a half miles back at the NASA viewing area. And... It was, like I said, the Challenger. The Challenger looked like it was maybe three inches tall at that distance. And uh, they warned us. They said, what you will see first, you'll see some steam. Mm-hmm. That white steam the that you talked about. steam, mm-hmm. because that was that big tank in the middle, big orange tank. Now, that was the liquid. And on either side, those smaller ones, those were solid fuel. That kind of that solid fuel kind of looks like graphite, pencil lead. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you would see the shuttle kind of move one way, then the other way, and that's it was breaking the locks that was holding it upright. Right. Okay. Then you're going to start seeing it lift off. Okay. We felt the vibrations. Even at four and a half miles. Four and a half miles, and I was on the. Um, viewing stand i don't know where my husband was he took off he said i'm getting closer and i said we can't get any closer than that fence down there but i felt the vibration they said you're going to feel heat Hmm. don't worry about it it's not gonna burn it's not gonna burn you okay but you felt like a wave of heat go through your body then you found a sound wave and the best way i can describe that sound wave was you know when you're at a parade and they go by you with a big bass drum mm-hmm. and you feel your heart? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, your whole body's doing that. Okay. So you've got those physical things that you're looking at, plus you're watching this huge, and you know because you've seen it the day before. You've mm-hmm. been right there the day before, and you know how big that thing is. You're seeing it just start inching up, and as it gets higher, and higher, it starts gaining speed. Mm-hmm. Then you see it turn and start going out. And at the end, as far as you can see, it, it looks like a star. Wow. I mean, it's it really was an emotional. What made it emotional? Was it, it just patriotic? It was, just it, was, accomplishment? It, was it was all of it. It was yeah. patriotism. It was knowing that. It was... Knowing that we could do that and, you know, just just see the technology. And this was like the first step, you know, what's going to happen 
what are we going to see? What are we going to find out, you know, about our planet? Of course, the shuttle was never meant to do anything but orbit. Right. And, of course, we have not been back to the moon. No country has put boots on the moon but us. A lot of people, I think, have the misconception that other countries have. And a lot of people think, no, we never went. But from my experience, the number of people that I've talked to that worked on the lunar projects and stuff like that, there were hundreds of people. Mm. If we hadn't have gone to the moon, somebody would have said it, I think. And I remember my cousin, one well, of the few times I talked to him while he was still working with NASA. He was very emotional. He said, if that lunar lander had landed just a, just a little bit off, we would have never gotten those astronauts back and we would have had to watch them die on the moon. And so, you know, it, it was a very long process. It was a very secretive process. And it's something that we benefit from today. And I just wish that we had used that seed that we were given back in 69 and before that for the push to keep pushing a little bit more, you know, scientifically, mm. you know, and get more people on board. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to go into those areas. And like I said, they're just intimidated. Is there anyone uh, that you can think of that were names that you can mention that you would like to give your appreciation to for that regional resource program? Yeah, I, there are several people, but I want it to be known that these are people that were supportive. And you have to remember, I was in it for a long time. And I know it's going to sound like it's lengthy, but whenever you look at it, as long as I was in it, um, there were people who supported the whole time, and there were people who came on kind of at the end. But like I had mentioned, Dr. Jerry Madrazo, Dr. Patricia Barrow, Hazel Carroll, and Hazel's group of media coordinators like Joanne Sink, Marsha Abernathy, and Rachel Cheek, and Annalise Fry, and Beth Yates got the information out to the kids. But Becky Bear and Dwight Story and Frank Welker and Richard Preston Dr. James Battle, Dr. Joanne Brower, Dr. Michael Jackson of Camp Lejeune Schools, the faculty and staff at Alamance Elementary, Larry Dunn, Susan Kirshner, John Stansel, Phyllis Thomas Davis, Keith Burns, Bill Jones, Gloria Thomas, Margie Garrett, Edna Townsend, Joe Johnson, Nancy Cerezo, Frank Long, Derek Harwell, Don Saunders, Ron Sheely, and James Ingram. Of course, the Greensboro Police Department and the Sheriff's Department of Guilford County who provided mm -hmm. free stuff. Jackie Tanzier Poe, Jackie Poe Tanzier, Wanda Sinezi, and Ann Heights. At Moorhead Planetarium, Dr. Lee Shapiro, Austin Giles, and Tom Hawking. Those guys put me on as an adjunct lecturer, and I helped run their day camp for about 15 years in the summer. And anybody, if you know anybody on this list, and sadly, a lot of these folks have passed away, a number of them I was able 
to give my appreciation to, but some I haven't been. Mm. But if you know these people, they went out of their way to give the people of North Carolina and the country and Guilford County something special. They gave of themselves. They got nothing in return except the joy of giving. Well, we thank you mm-hmm. for thanking them. But right now, I can thank you for going out of your way to give us something special. And we took note of it today here on History Notes with Beverly Gibson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for listening and continue to listen and support us. And uh, if you stop by the museum, let us know and uh, give us some topics. You can email us or write us, call us, give us some topics that you'd like for us to to explore further and enjoy spending this time with you. Thank you, Rodney. All right. So this has been our edition of History Notes, a product of the Greensboro History Museum. Please check us out and continue to support us. As I said before, it's been fun, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visited for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you and keep tuning in to History Notes.